This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. You're listening to The Church Boys Free Fall Q&A. It's Billy Hollowell here, and I have Benjamin Watson on the line. How you doing today? I'm doing well, Billy. Thanks for having me. So thanks for coming on. You know, we've, uh, we were just talking offline. We've been uh, chatting back and forth on Twitter for a long time, ever since uh, you put out the, the viral Ferguson post. And obviously, I think, I mean, you've been, you've been around the NFL for, for a long time now, and, and you've been a name people have known. But I think that really that viral post got so many people uh, to think differently and, and think beyond themselves about a lot of different issues um, that, that have been going on in this country. And I wanted to, I obviously want to ask you about Under Our Skin and, and about the book and everything, but I wanted to just dive in and go back a little bit to that post um, and just ask you, you know, when you think back, and I know you've answered this question before, but I'm always intrigued to hear when some time has passed, how people sort of view something like that, having been at the center of it. Um, have have your views at all changed? Like, what has changed in you since you posted that? Um, whether it be a growth in some area in terms of understanding these issues, or do you feel pretty consistent with the the tone and the vibe of what you wrote that night? Um, you know that's that's a good question. Uh, over the last year or so, I've had a chance to to speak uh, at a you know different venues, whether it be churches or sporting events or. On, on TV, on the news, and stuff like that. And um, you know, as I look back and, and read what I wrote, um, I think it just was a real reflection of how I was feeling at the time. Um, you know, I don't think much has changed in how I feel. I, I think that when we view, or at least when I see these different things that happen on television when it comes to race and these encounters with police officers or whatever it is, there is a, a welling up inside of me of a bunch of emotions that have to do with a lot of history, a lot of present uh, events that happen, and, and, and there's just so much. I, I really think that outside of that, uh, it really has been amazing to see uh, how many people have responded and the ways that they've responded, you know, from people who are not people of faith, who may be professed atheists who say, you know what, I'm thinking about things differently because of what you said, not necessarily about Christ, but just about race in general and about how we view these things. Um, and, and so I think the response of some people has really been what's moved me uh, because people really want to get a solution to what's going on. And I think that a lot of people just feel stuck and don't yeah. know what to do. And um, what I was able to do, and really what God did through what I said, was really just kind of open some of those lines of communications with people. Yeah, and I think, you know, your post, I think one of the reasons, and I remember reading it for the first time, I think one of the reasons it resonated was because, you know, I, I compare it in obviously very different situations, but the forgiveness that came after the Charleston shooting and these moments where you really see Christianity sort of shine through. And what I mean by that is I think with that post, you know, here here is a very emotional event that happens, and you're writing this right after that. Very few people, or not enough people rather, have the ability, I think, to actually look at something and explain all of the emotions on both ends, on both sides. And you did that in a way that I think really resonated with people and I think was a testament to what Christianity is. And I think that is really what what drove so much of it. And you know, I wanted to ask you, because you obviously had such a massive... I was just looking back at the story that we did 
at the time. And there were like mm-hmm. 50, 55,000 shares on Facebook just on the Blaze story that we did. So, I mean, this was everywhere. Mm-hmm. Did you have any challenge? Was there any challenge to speaking out vocally like that that you didn't anticipate that maybe came after? Um. Not too much that came after. For me, it was before because uh, as an athlete, as a public figure, as someone who uh, has a responsibility to represent your organization, your city that you play for, um, when you say certain things, uh, when you get emotional and you're honest, uh, when you speak about social issues and you know religion, in quotation marks, uh, you have to be be careful. You have to be respectful of what you're saying, and so. Uh, the hardest thing I think was uh, for a minute I didn't know if I wanted to push in or not <laughs> just because uh, of how raw I felt like I was being but um, you know it, it just came down to the fact that I was simply speaking how I felt and I think that's how I, that's how I prefaced it but it was just saying look this is just how I feel and we all are feeling a certain way about this and this is how I feel um, uh, again the, the the response was great even from my teammates you know, I had many teammates come up to me and say you know what man that's that's what I was feeling. I just didn't quite know how to say it. I mean, these are white teammates, black teammates, um, Samoan teammates, coaches, players. Uh, a lot of people said that to me because I think that people could find themselves, if maybe if not in all the emotions that I had, maybe in one or two of them. Uh, and, and so the since then, the 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 the, the pushback hasn't been, you know, too, too much. If anything, there's been a lot of people who have said. You know, I've been convicted by what you said, and um, and t- and tell me more. Um, yeah. And how can we change this thing? I think that's kind of where the book came in, because in the last few months, the last year, uh, there's been a lot of other things that have happened. You know, you, you referenced in the book, you know, we talked about um, Charleston and, and those sorts of things that have happened in Baltimore, where I've had a chance to kind of speak out a little bit more. And so I was approached with, with sharing more of what I thought uh, in this book. So the book is kind of an expansion on the Ferguson Post. Yeah, and 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 with the book, what are you hoping, you know, like if you could get your your audience, your readers to walk away with like one or two things, either thinking or feeling those things, what what would that be? What's the big takeaway for you? The big takeaway is number one, we we have an issue still with race. And I think that that um for black America, uh Many of us see it more than white America uh, just because of the nature of the beast. And so, uh, number one is realizing that, number one, we, we still have an issue. But number two, saying that, you know what, we all have the seeds of racism in our hearts. And over the course of the history of America, obviously, um, you know, blacks are brought here as slaves, and we know the story, how it goes. But humans have an issue of default called sin that points us towards hating people and being selfish and being jealous and making others subservient to you something because they look different than you. Um, and so we need to address that. And then number three, uh, opening up honest conversation, dialogue, through intentional relationships with people who don't look like you on their skin, whose skin is a different color than yours, um, but who are equally as human as you are. Um, you know, a lot of times we're in our own little cocoons, we're in our own uh, world with a lot of people that are just like us, and a lot of what we don't know is simply because of ignorance, because we don't ask, and we don't want to hear someone else's point of view because we don't think it's real because it's not our experience. Uh, and so through this book and through 
being open and honest about my experience <coughs> with race and my my grandpa, my parents, and you know through my teammates, stuff that's happened to me during football, uh, stuff I've learned from some of my teammates, is really to open that dialogue um, and say that you know what we really need to be honest about this and talk about it and and affect change that way because by by staying in our own in our own worlds we're, we're doing no one any good. Yeah, you know, and it seems, I mean, what's been, the problems have never gone away. They've always been there and they've never really been dealt with the way that they need to be dealt with. It seems like there's been this flare up, you know, in the last year and a half, two years um, of really uh, just this awful situation where there's this divisiveness. And I think in a lot of ways, it sort of flows into all the divisiveness that is going on throughout society right now. Um, and, and the yeah. brokenness and, and everything seems to be happening at the same time, at least in my view, in, in terms of, you know, our society sort of having this unraveling effect a little bit, but you know, why do you think that we've seen more of this? It seems, or maybe I'm wrong. It just feels that way. Um, in the last you know year or two, I, I mean, it, we should be getting better. It doesn't seem like that's happening. It seems like we've sort of gone back a little bit. Yeah, and I don't really know the answer to that question. Um, you know, it's funny. Uh, a year, a year ago, I guess, you know, right around when Ferguson happened, I remember talking to my dad during that time, and shortly after that, in April, I believe, you know, there was there was the, the Baltimore uh, riots with with Freddie Gray, and and my dad. Remember him saying, "Man, I've never seen images like this on television since you know since the '60s, you know, since civil rights," and so. There has been over the last couple of years uh, an increase in at least publicized um, issues of violence, and I think part of that might be technology. The fact that yeah. everybody has a cell phone and can shoot video of things now, <laughs> and uh, and we're able to see these things that are happening more and more. Um, so, so I don't know exactly why it's happening, but I do know that it points to the fact that more uh, needs to change, other than simply laws. Uh, laws are great, and we need equal laws. You know, when it comes to voting, when it comes to uh, representation, when it comes to jobs, and all those things. You know, all those economic factors are very important, and and they should be addressed 100. percent But we're at a place where we've come a very long way from how things used to be, but many of the attitudes are still the same. Yeah, so and when it, it seems comes to the attitudes that need to be changed. That's when I'm saying that there needs to be something else. There needs to be a change of the heart. You know, and I think you're, and I think when these things happen, the, there's all this emotion. Then people start retreating back into these old patterns across the board. Almost everybody does it. It's weird. It's like these conversations that happen that are just, you know, I, I don't know. And, and maybe you're right. A lot of it could be technology and the ability to see this. I mean, look, the media—they're out there. Not that they shouldn't be, and I'm part of the media. But you know, covering these things and, and every little detail, and you're watching it, and people are becoming more and more angry. And there's not. You know, it's not a discussion of how can we heal and how can we get past this always. It's the intensity of the coverage and the emotion of what has happened in, during during these events. Um, you know, and I also... Yeah, you're right, you're right. I mean, you know, when, you, when we look at Ferguson, what happened? You know, this, this thing happened. None of, us knew the, none of us knew the facts, right? But immediately, we all had an idea based on our experiences, largely between blacks and whites of our personal experiences, we just knew who was right and who was wrong. Yeah. And and that that happens whenever something like this shows up on television or in the news or we read about it. Immediately we draw lines and a lot of times we don't even want to hear. We look for we look for facts 
to support our theory of who was wrong instead of waiting a little bit. Yeah. Taking a breath and seeing and seeing and seeing what happened. And and and, and that's the t- and that's the tough thing. That's the tough thing is you know one thing one thing my parents always you know really instilled instilled in me and my brothers and sisters is is waiting and not just giving gut reactions or condemnation just on what we see. Being able to to um, express yourself, but also to understand that you could be wrong. Yeah, I mean it's interesting. The, the hands up, the hands up, don't shoot. That whole debate that you know still is going on, even even though there have been different you know people saying you know when the Obama administration looked into it, well maybe that didn't happen. We weren't there. We don't know. Um, but all of the details people obsessed over on both sides, on on every side. And um, let let me ask you. I mean, you're obviously a very strong Christian, and your faith plays a, a huge role. Um, in, in what you say and why you say it and, and how you say uh-huh. it, what, what's your, just tell me a little bit about how you came to faith. Cause I'm sort of fascinated and I know that's like a, it's like a loaded question, but I'm, I'm fascinated to know a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I, I grew up with, with two parents who are believers. Um, and, uh, my, my father is, is actually a pastor now. Um, but we grew up uh, learning right from wrong. We grew up, uh, you know, going to church. We understood all those things. Uh, but there has to come a time and place where you, through repentance and faith, put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ uh, for your sins, for forgiveness for your sins. And so I was young. I was around five or six years old. And uh, my father had this big teddy bear. And at night he would say, Benjamin, you want to fight the teddy bear? I'd be like, yeah, Daddy, I want to fight the teddy bear. So he'd get behind the teddy bear. I was about five or six years old. He's about as big as me, six two two fifty. And that's how big he is. And he was, you know, fighting me with the teddy bear. I guess he was trying to rough me up or something. I don't know. But <laughs> I would fight back. And, and it was kind of our ritual a couple of nights a week before I go to bed. Well, one night he beat me. And as the story goes, I laid in my bed. I said, Daddy, you bring that teddy bear back here. I'm not going to bed till you bring that teddy bear back here. And I went. So my parents were like, man, this kid has a serious competition problem. So <laughs> they, they brought the teddy bear back out. He let me win. And then that night, he shared with me, he said, Benjamin, if if, uh, if you were to die tonight, and as a, as a first child, I, I for some reason had a, had a had an obsession with asking about what happens in the afterlife and death, things like that. Um, and so he showed me John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish of everlasting life. And right there at about five years old, like I said, um, I know that my dad and I understood. Like I said, I had gone to church. I knew all the right answers, but I didn't. I had never come to a place where I said, I, I was born with sin and I need salvation from hell because I'm condemned and I need forgiveness. And right there, that's when I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And so over that time, obviously, I've learned a lot more about what it means. But I still point to that time when I first had a saving knowledge um, or an understanding that I needed this yeah. um, in my life. And so over the course of the last, you know, 30, whatever years, I, I, I've grown and I've, I've learned and, um, you know, I've grown in my salvation. Uh, but that's how I, I first came to Christ. And that, you know, for, and I think for people who aren't Christians, it's sort of hard to understand how that transforms and how that changes somebody. And I think, Again, that that initial post that you wrote that was everywhere, I think it sort of illustrated what that mindset and that life in Christ sort of does and, and how that comes into play when you're dealing with something that's really difficult and really tough and really multifaceted. So let me ask you another loaded question. What? How do Christians help? What should Christians be doing to help this situation and make it better? 
Well, Christians should be the premier example of what it means to love like Christ. I mean, the Bible says very clearly in Galatians 3 that in Christ we are one. There's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave or free, there's neither male or female, but in Christ we are all one, that the distinctions that the world places on us um, fade away uh, when we talk about our, our brotherhood and our sisterhood and who we are as Christ, that we're equal. And so in the Christian realm, it's a shame <laughs> that many churches, and many people that are in churches, are the biggest racists in the town. It's a shame that we have many of the same um, feelings and prejudices and biases that people who are believers have. And so the church, if anybody, the body of Christ, should be the example when it comes to how to love people, how to treat people the right way, um, how to confess and ask for forgiveness when we have and how to repent of those feelings that we've had, um, you know, so some of us, as I, as I wrote the post, I'm repenting the whole time of my feelings of bias against these white people. <laughs> you know, because I, I, you know, I need forgiveness like just like anybody else does. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm subject to many of the same the same feelings that, that anybody else does because I'm still human. Right. And so uh, for Christians, I think when it comes to this this whole issue, um, we really need to be honest with ourselves about um, how we view those who are like us, and just some of those those biases that come up that we didn't even know we had, and, be, and repent, and ask forgiveness of some of those things, and ask for our hearts to be changed um, when it comes to this. And that's a continual process, because I tell you, you know, it's, it's, it's something that, that naturally bows up inside of you uh, when we see uh, any of these incidents that we can talk about over the last two years. Well, listen, I, this has been great, and I definitely want to talk with you more. We're going to make sure we link out to Under Our Skin, make sure everybody gets a chance to uh, get a link to that and hopefully pick up copies of the book, and I appreciate you taking the time today. Billy, thank you, man. It's good to link up with you, and um, I look forward to talking to you again. Church Bowl.